I am your host again, Chris. They call me Charles. What's up, y'all? Welcome back. Week 9 is nearly in the books. It was a very intriguing week, to say the least. I literally feel like everything we know about the NFL can almost be thrown out the window. There were so many upsets today. So many games that we had predicted on our point spread got absolutely trashed and thrown out and I mean these things happen what can you say we try our best to predict the outcomes I mean we've done very well so far this season and and typically you get a week or two in an entire year that come out like this but this week was very drastic we saw a lot of things happen that don't normally happen to good teams so let's kick off the review. We had four teams on the bye. We had the Falcons, the Bengals, the Rams, and the Saints. No games for them this week. But let's kick it back all the way to Thursday night football where we had the San Francisco 49ers traveling to the desert of Arizona to take on the Cardinals. This contest by Vegas was a minus 10.5 favoring the undefeated Niners. I couldn't argue it. I mean, I have been sitting on this show preaching the talents of Kyler Murray all season long. I'm a huge supporter. Everybody knows this. If you read my work, you listen to the work. We really like the kid's skill set. He is dynamic. He's electric. He can get things done. But going up against the San Francisco 49ers, we had envisioned quite a difficult day. And that really didn't transpire as the game wore on, early on, Kyler had some issues. I mean, the biggest thing about the Cardinals coming into this week was the injury to David Johnson and the trade for Kenyon Drake from Miami. Nobody really knew what to expect from Kenyon Drake in his first game with the club, but you had to think that they were going to use him if they acquired him. So Cliff Kingsbury played this game as it wore on, I don't want to say to perfection, but as it wore on, it was quite good when you saw what he was doing. I mean, he started switching things up in his scheme, in his offensive play calls, in the plan, and it kind of got to the 49ers defense. We haven't seen the 49ers defense not stumble, but struggle to some degree defending players of this caliber. I mean, Kyler Murray was still very good. He was sacked three times. He didn't turn the ball over, which was very important in a contest like this when you're going up against such a stout defense, right? So, Kenyon Drake, let's go right there first. I mean, his day was marvelous. I mean, they used him in the run. They used him in the pass. He was your go-to the entire game. It was starting to wear on the 49ers' defense, right? So Kenyon Drake's day, let me break it down for you. It was 15 carries, 110 yards, one rushing touchdown, and he added four catches for 52 yards. So he was a complete mismatch on this field. 
However, we do have to point out that Quan Alexander did get injured. He, I believe he tore his pectoral muscle, so he is gone for the season. Huge blow to the 49ers defense. But when he left this game, I mean, there's a gaping hole in that defense, in the middle of the field for the 49ers. And I think this is going to be paramount as the, as the season moves forward for this defense because he was a staple in allowing them to stop the run and to play no stacked boxes and to allow the, the secondary to play their coverages appropriately. Now they're going to have to adjust without having that quarterback in the middle of their field on their defense. It will be interesting to say. But as for the 49ers with their offense, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he showed me something in this contest. So far this season, he has been primarily, uh, I don't want to say a full-blown game manager, but he's been looking like a game manager. Just don't lose the game, don't turn, turn the ball over, and just make things happen. This game kind of was his coming out party, I think, because he was fantastic. He wasn't making mistakes. He threw four touchdown passes, three over 300 yards. He was efficient. He was accurate. He found his receivers. He found Emmanuel Sanders with high regularity. Emmanuel Sanders is the perfect complement to George Kittle in this offense. It is clear. If they continue, Kyle Shanahan is a genius himself, is a master himself. He will integrate talented players into his scheme. Tevin Coleman took a little bit of a backseat this week. He uh, didn't carry very well. He was 1.9 yards per carry, 12 touches for 23 yards. It was not a good showing after his explosion of four touchdowns a week prior. But, I mean, Matt Breida still got the, the ground game moving. He was 78 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. So, I mean, this offense can still move. You have the ability to move even when your top dogs aren't cutting it. So, I do like what I saw, but the Cardinals made a contest of this late. They almost came back to win this game. You know, Andy Isabella, he caught an 88-yard touchdown. He caught it short, but he took off, and he was just, he couldn't be caught. The 49ers just, just there was nothing that was going to happen that was going to catch him. But all in all, I mean, the Cardinals showed me that they could compete with a high-end talented team like the 49ers. Kyler Murray's progression, he is for real. I mean, if you didn't see the game, go and catch it again on the replay because he is for real. As long as he continues to progress and move forward, he, he cleans up his, his progressions in the pocket because I still don't like the fact that he's doing basically one read and, and trying to take off and find room to roll out. If he can manage to stay in the pocket a little bit more, do at least two or three reads before you decide to run out of the pocket, I mean... That would be something I would be encouraged even more to see. But given that the, uh, the fact that his offensive line is still pretty bad, I will give him a pass. He's doing extremely well. Good things are coming for the Cardinals. Let's not get that twisted. It won't happen this year, but they will continue to add talent, and they will be a team to be reckoned with. Let's not kid ourselves. So anyway, moving on to Sunday, we had another contest across the pond in England the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So typically when the Jaguars travel to England, they are the home team. I mean, they have been there so many times. They're, they have a pretty good following over there. I really expected the, the Jaguars to have performed a lot better than how they did. 
Gardner Minshew was the storyline in the wrong way for the Jags today. I mean, Jacksonville really struggled. I, this was one thing in this contest that I was actually very uh, confused on. I couldn't understand how they couldn't run the ball with Fournette. You have no J.J. Watt. I mean, this defense... This defense is still good, right? But without J.J. in the middle, you would have assumed there would have been a lot more room for Fournette to to gallop through. And he was pretty much bottled up today. And I think that had a negative impact on the pass game. So Minshew was, was highly inaccurate today, which was not a staple of his game so far this season. He had so many turnovers, and that was the difference in this game. He turned the ball over four times, and three of those came on consecutive drives as they were trying to climb back. So I get it. You're in desperation mode because you're losing. But, I mean, protecting the ball is your primary objective, and Gardner Minshew just it didn't happen today. So now conversation will stem. Will they remove Minshew in for uh, Nick Foles when he returns from IR from his injury. We'll see. The debate will be there for sure in the next couple weeks when he's ready to return. But when we talk about the Houston Texans, their defense played extremely well today. I mean, the yardage was given up late. I mean, in garbage time, we saw a little bit more. But all in all, this defense showed me what they can do. But they don't have that elite talent on the back end. So I was actually really surprised that Chart couldn't break free. That even Conley, he had some drops in this game, which which stalled some drives. But I mean, Deshaun Watson, let's go there now. So Deshaun Watson, he is proving to be a true superstar again. He was doing Houdini stuff on this field today. Every single play that it looked like he was going to get bottled up by this Jags defense, he managed to escape and make a play. His day was very efficient. He was 22 for 28, 201 yards, and two touchdowns. It wasn't spectacular in the stat sheet, but if you watch the game, he was the reason why, one of the reasons, the main reason why the Texans won this contest. Carlos Hyde. So we had Hyde on our sit list this week, and we'll eat it because, I mean, that's what you got to do when you're wrong. But we weren't necessarily wrong on our opinion. It was just executed better than we had anticipated. Carlos Hyde was leaned upon. He carried the ball 19 times today for a whopping 160 yards. Granted, a couple huge runs added to that. His, he had a 58-yard run in this contest. He did fumble on that, on that uh, run. But basically through the entire game, he was burning this Jags defense. They had no answers. They couldn't stop the run. And I was very flabbergasted at when I was watching this. However, we'll eat it. Hyden Watson had a great day backed by this defense, showing the fans in London what a real team is. Texans now are 6-3. and three. Jags fall to 4-5. and five. Huge divisional win. Huge game for the Texans. It wasn't bad. It was actually a decent game overall. If you're if you're a Texans fan, if you're a Jags fan, you were you were quite disappointed. So anyway, moving right along, the Buffalo Bills and the Washington Redskins in Buffalo. Bills Mafia, baby. Here we go again. 
this is what you wanted to see. Yes, it's another struggling team that you're facing. You want to see domination. You want to see this Bills team elevate to another level that will grow their confidence, that will make them believe in themselves that they are, in fact, responsible for being here. And they were so-so again today. I really was hoping to see a much better showing. We do have a lot of positives for the Bills. Let's start there. Let's start with the offense. Devin Singletary starts to play today. He, this was his game. We knew it was coming eventually. We knew that Coach McDermott, he couldn't keep the shackles on this man for any any longer. Let's see what this rookie can do. I said it last week. I said I wasn't necessarily sure that Devin is the main guy that you want to entrust in this backfield. But I said I will wait to see how he moves forward, how the volume changes. And Devin showed me a lot today. He was entrusted to carry the ball a lot, and he produced. He ran the ball 20 times. He almost cracked the 100-yard mark, and he found the end zone on the ground. He was very strong today. And this is against a Washington defense that is pretty stout in defending the run. Let's not get it twisted. The Redskins' defense isn't terrible. They have pieces that you can work with, and they, they stop the run, man. They stopped the run with some of the best in the league at times. But Singletary, he was your guy today. He had a very good day, showed me a lot, and Josh Allen. So I really was hoping to see, again, a little bit more from Josh Allen. It, it almost appears to me now that the coaching staff is trying their best to not lose the game rather than to win the game. And it's clear with Allen's game. He went 14-20 for 160 in one touchdown pass. I mean, it's game management. That's all it is. He has a few deep shot attempts per game. And the rest of it is over the middle, short passes to the out, to the sidelines. And I mean, that's fine. That's all fine and good. You're, you're winning games this way. That's great. But when you're getting into December, you need to know exactly what it is that you can do. And I really feel that the Bills will have a massive letdown if they don't improve and they don't try. You need to try the offense a little bit more. Put some plays in this in this offensive scheme that will be conducive to the deep shot. And, and keep practicing at it because it'll come. It will come. The Bills' defense, on the other hand, I was, again, disappointed. This is the third or fourth week in a row that they have had a letdown in the run game. Their, their, their pass defense still is stellar. I mean, we can't argue that. Trey White, Micah Hyde, and, and company, they are they are balling out. They gave up quite a few big plays today as well. But, but I mean, all in all, they only gave up, what, nine points today? Or, yeah, 24-9, to nine, the Bills win this contest. So, I mean, you can't be mad at them. They did their job. They did what they had to do. Haskins still looked like a rookie. I mean, he was sacked four times today. But they couldn't stop the run. Adrian Peterson, he went off, man. He had 18 for 108 himself, and he found the end zone. Old man Peterson was finding holes all over this defense. So this, again, goes to the point that the Bills' defense is not elite yet. They still need pieces to the puzzle, but they are sound. They can make plays. So either way, I want to say, you know, at least Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over. 
he did almost ruin the Bills' day with a costly fumble that hit the ground but was recovered by his teammate. And again, this was the thing that I was cringing on when I was watching this. You have this team on their heels. You need to have that killer instinct to finish them off. And you almost gave them the ball back to let them back in the game. So, again, Allen needs to clean up his ball security. But all in all, the Bills are 6-2. and two. Bills Mafia, you guys need to be smiling. Things are, things are improving. They're progressing. This is what we wanted to see. As for the skins, I mean, you're 1-8. and eight. What can you say? You're holding on for dear life for the rest of the season. You're going to have some days where you're going to put up some stats. But, I mean, Dwayne Haskins... We're rooting for you. I mean, you're put in a horrible situation, but we'll see what happens in the future. Moving right along, the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers. So it's no secret. We've been we've been back in Ryan Tannehill since he took over the starting role for the Titans. And I mean, I still want to throw the support his way because I think he's a better option than Marcus Mariota has been over the last two years. But again, like I said, we are not suggesting that Tannehill is going to be the savior for this club. He will just be able to elevate this offense to a new level of what it should be with the playmakers they have. This is what he did again today. I mean, he fell behind early. They weren't looking good offensively. The Panthers' defense was showing him looks that he just Tannehill was getting confused. But here we go again with the Carolina Panthers. Kyle Allen didn't start very, very hot either. He was slow out of the gates, but then he started making plays as well. And, of course, our guy Christian McCaffrey, he is he has to be considered the best running back in the NFL at the moment. We can't argue it anymore. Dalvin Cook is right, right on his heels as well. But week in, week out, without an elite-level quarterback, without necessarily I don't want to call DJ Moore an elite receiver just yet so we'll just say without an elite level wide receiver support Christian McCaffrey is doing this alone he is the reason that the Carolina Panthers continue to move you just need Kyle Allen to support him in the air through the pass but again Christian McCaffrey 24 carries 146 yards two rushing touchdowns and again he found another one through the air so three touchdowns on the day. This is your offense. And when it comes to the Titans and Ryan Tannehill, his, Tannehill, his day looks respectable on paper. But, I mean, it was late. A lot of it was in garbage time when the Panthers had the big lead and they just allowed the Titans to claw back. It looked a lot more interesting, the score was, than, than it the game actually really was. The Panthers win 30-20. to 20, But this was, this was pretty much a beatdown for the first three and a half quarters. So the Panthers look okay. Cam Newton has been rumored that it's not going to be anytime soon that he'll get back on the field. So Kyle Allen will be your guy. And, I mean, DJ Moore did have a good day today. He went 7 for 101. So the Panthers look good. We can't hate on anything that the Panthers are doing. Christian McCaffrey is your guy. He's going to continue to run. They're going to continue to feed him. And this defense, so... I can't say enough good things. This defense does what it does week in, week out. They are a bend but don't break unit. They will have lapses, but they're a strong group. I like it. Panthers win, and it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. So let's move right along. Contest I was extremely interested to view was the Minnesota Vikings taking travel to Kansas City. Arrowhead Stadium. 
No Patrick Mahomes again. He is practicing, but he is still obviously at least one more week away, if not two. But this one was very intriguing to me because the Minnesota Vikings have been rolling. We have been saying a lot in the form of positives towards the Minnesota Vikings because of how they have changed their offense. They are running with great efficiency. That hasn't changed the entire season. But now they're instituting the play-action pass. They're spreading the ball down the field. And the defense has played solid enough to get these victories and close them out. Today, however, was the Minnesota Vikings of the previous few weeks where they have been dominating. I mean, when you look at the stat sheets, you're going to think that they played admirably enough to win this game, and they did. But, I mean, when you look at, when you watch the contest, the mistakes were there. The play calls weren't necessarily conducive to positive statistical achievement. I mean, Kirk Cousins was under duress all day. So, I was saying that I'm not a huge fan of this Kansas City Chiefs defense because they aren't necessarily a sound group. But what they do extremely well is that they blitz with high efficiency and regularity. This is their game. They're going to blitz you as much as they can to get you rattled, to get those mistakes. And again, they did it today to the Vikings, and it showed. I mean, Kirk Cousins was struggling at times to find room The offensive line was having its issues protecting him. He was trying to roll out of the pocket. He was getting stifled. I mean, he did find the end zone three times through the air, but his accuracy definitely wasn't there today. He had to make quick decisions. And on top of it, the Chiefs' defense was able to stifle Dalvin Cook. This is probably one of the first times all season we've seen a defense corral the run game of the Vikings and force them to, to to beat them through the air. So, I mean, the Vikings did have this contest in their grasp. They were winning this game until the end, where the Chiefs kicked a last-second field goal by Butker to win 26-23. to So, when you review what the Kansas City Chiefs did today on offense, I mean, you can't hate what Andy Reid has been able to do without Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people were down on Matt Moore. I I believe in Matt Moore to be a very capable backup in this league still. He is he wasn't on an NFL roster last year. Yes, we know the story. But I mean he has that's been his history. He's been able to step in when the quarterback, the starting quarterback is injured, and he's able to at least string together a couple wins until the quarterback comes back. This will be the case again until Mahomes comes back. Matt Moore was very good today. I mean, he was sacked five times himself. He saw immense amount of pressure from the Vikings, but he was still able to make plays. This is what Matt Moore gives you. He is not afraid to sling this ball down the field. So if you saw this game, Tyreek Hill was a madman. He was making plays all over the field to the tune of six receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. He was a beast. And you got to credit Matt Moore for what he was able to do. He was throwing Tyreek open on that touchdown. It was a, it was overthrown, but Tyreek just made it happen. He hit second gear, and he 
dove for that ball. It was fantastic. What a play. And again, he made another highlight reel catch where Matt Moore basically threw up a 50 shot and Tyreek made it happen. So you kind of need that in your quarterback, especially your backup quarterback when you're needing to win games. You need him not to be afraid to throw and trust your playmakers down the field. This is what he did on top of that. So we said sit Shady McCoy this week because he just hasn't been getting it done. And you think Andy Reid is starting to get a little bit, uh, not necessarily worried, but he's starting to get annoyed with how McCoy has been running. So Damian Williams came back in this game. He was the vocal point as he his runs were actually getting traction on this Vikings defense. And he broke a monster 91-yard touchdown today. That was a highlight of this game for the Chiefs offense outside of Tyreek Hill. This is what brought them in the and gave them the opportunity, the Kansas City Chiefs I'm speaking of, to win this contest. Without the running of Williams, I don't know if the Chiefs can get enough to get past this defense of the Vikings. However, the defense of Minnesota did let me down today. I didn't like what I was seeing. But then on the flip side, you look at what Kansas City was able to do defensively. They almost turned a corner in my in my mind. They shut down Stefan Diggs. He could not get free whatsoever. So attributing to that as well was that pressure put on Kirk Cousins. So they, they had a great formula today. They made it work, and they looked good doing it. So the Chiefs get a massive win. If you don't think it is, it's a big win for them for the playoff hunt. They're, they're obviously going to win their division. Let's not kid ourselves. But this was a big win for them. The Vikings lose. I Again, this is what Minnesota is going to do to you, and, and we still are going to cringe and struggle to preach the ultimate eliteness of this group, but we still believe they can be. Adam Thielen, he, he returned to this contest but left early again. He retweaked that hamstring. So again, poor coaching once again. Let your man rest. Let him get healed up and bring him back so that you don't lose him for the long stretch of the season. Soft tissue injuries are never never good a good thing. So I really didn't like that. The fact that he had to leave right away, it just proved that he wasn't ready to come back. But all in all, this was an exciting contest. There was lots of back and forth. I really enjoyed it. Chiefs win, last second field goal. It was very entertaining. So moving right along, let's go to the next contest on the board. The New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins. I really didn't know what to expect from this game outside of the Jets trying to find their way back to respectability. So Sam Darnold, since coming back from mono, he has had a tribulant showing the last two weeks. And I really was expecting Adam Gase, Coach Gase, to have made a game plan that was going to be extremely conducive to building his confidence. It started that way early on, and then they just kind of moved away from it once again. So when you start to look at what the play calls were happening, I had preached on our start-sit list, start Jamison Crowder. He's going to be the one that's going to be bringing Darnold back to, to high confidence levels. And then they went away from it. I, I couldn't understand what I was watching. And then again, Le'Veon Bell, 
his usage isn't isn't done to what it should be. I really don't get why Coach Gase refuses to lean on Le'Veon in this offense. He can handle your 30 touches a game without question. He should be your first check down. He should be your first option. And then give it to Crowder. Do the short passes to gain that confidence for Sam Darnold. I'm going to continue to repeat that word because he is not building this young man's mind from what had happened in that Patriot game. You are going to ruin Darnold's career. This is what had happened today. So on top of it, not only were your play calls on both offense and defense not working, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick came to play today. He doesn't want to lose. He wants to play. He wants to make sure that his legacy still remains in check, that he was the best journeyman quarterback to ever play in this league. You lost today, New York Jets, to Ryan Fitzpatrick and his 288 yards and three touchdowns. The Dolphins had no run game. Let's be clear. We like Mark Walton a lot, but I mean, this offensive line is in shambles as well. So this game was basically all on Fitzpatrick to make it happen, and he did it. He found Gusecki, he found Williams, his rookie Preston Williams, and he moved the ball. Poor New York Jets, we feel for you. We had Le'Veon Bell as a massive player today on the fantasy football list, and it just didn't really happen. We thought 20 points was going to be the floor, and he couldn't even reach it as a ceiling today. So there's a lot of wrong going on in New York. They are now in contention for that top pick in the draft for next year. And as for Jets fans, I feel for you. I mean, you guys built your club to be a competitor, to be competing for a wild card spot in the playoffs. And you're nowhere even close to that. Your team is a disaster. Terrible, terrible contest. Miami gets their first win of the season. Probably will be their last because if they start winning some more, they will knock themselves out of that first round pick, first overall pick sweepstakes for next season, the Tua draft sweepstakes. Other than that, that game didn't really have a whole heck of a lot. It was a, it was some back and forth, but I mean, the mistakes by the Jets were just unbelievable, inexcusable, just can't happen. Coach Gase's job has got to be on the hot seat. He can't be the head coach for next season. I don't see it. I think he's going to be one and done. It's done in my mind. If they keep him on, it just shows even more dysfunction with this Jets team. But anyway, that's enough of that one. Moving right along, let's go to the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles in the city of brotherly love in Philly. So the Chicago Bears, we have been quite adamant about saying how poorly coached this team is this season coach Matt Nagy really needs to understand what he has on this club and what he doesn't have so we can't today kind of put a staple on how we said we wanted to put more blame on Nagy today kind of proved that we have to again put more blame on Mitchell Trubisky he has regressed to levels we haven't even witnessed with any quarterback like him who was drafted this high in quite some time. He is just not reading the defense whatsoever. He looks lost. 
The system looks like it's over his head. He can't find his receivers. He can't read the defense. And this is a massive problem for your offense as a whole. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You have to move the ball. So we had said prior to this contest through conversations with our colleagues, they really needed to establish the run game in this contest. I mean, we knew it was going to be difficult because the Eagles still have a very stout front seven. And it was shown again today. I mean, Montgomery barely touched the ball in the first half. And he basically saved his fantasy day in the second half by finding the end zone on two one-yard carries. And one of those was on a nice pass by Trubisky to get it right down to the goal line. But all in all, for this contest, it does not look good for Mitchell whatsoever. I mean, when your star receiver, Allen Robinson, only has one catch, it's saying a lot what the coaching staff doesn't trust you to do. They're not entrusting you to throw it deep. They're not entrusting you to throw it right to the sideline. They're trying to keep it short and over the middle with these dump-offs and check-downs because they're fearful that you're either going to overthrow it or you're going to throw an interception. So the Bears' defense, I really feel for this group because there is nothing worse than wasting away elite-level talent that you have on, on one side of the field with a really bad offense. You cannot expect this group to contain anybody for 60 minutes it is impossible the Bears defense is is reminiscent now of the Broncos defense when they had no offense and all those years it was wasted where they could have actually had more Super Bowls this is the same scenario the Chicago Bears are wasting away a defense that is extremely talented and can put teams away by themselves and now what happens is you get the defense not wanting to give their their effort because they know they're going to be on the field the whole time. So when you look at time of possession in this contest, the Bears defense was on the field for 40 minutes. 40 minutes of defensive play. This is an unacceptable for the Chicago Bears offense. Coach Nagy, you really need to figure something out. But... Let's go go to some positives for the Philadelphia Eagles. They really needed this contest as well. They looked okay today. They were able to find room on a defense that is extremely stout, like we were saying. They were able to gash them. Zach Ertz finally came to play. It's been a while for this season that we haven't seen him as integrated in this offense, but he had a good day today. Zach Ertz numbers, if you missed it, he was nine receptions. 103 yards and found the end zone one time. Outside of that, I mean, the pass game was more management rather than explosive. But for the Eagles, I mean, it's true. You need to establish the ground game to be successful. Carson Wentz is more efficient when he has that play-action pass, when he has the support of the ground game. Jordan Howard in a revenge game was spectacular. They entrusted him with the ball, and he delivered. 19 carries, 82 yards, and found the end zone. 4.3 per carry. His, his teammate, Miles Sanders, the rookie, he had 4.2 yards per carry. They were running the ball very well on this defense. Very hard thing to do. Eagles need to run the ball. I still don't understand why Coach Pedersen fights this. He's trying to make this the all-out pass team. Be the balanced club you need to be, and you will win games. 
Your defense isn't terrible. Your secondary isn't great. Yes, your secondary gets cooked normally on a weekly basis. But, I mean, look, even against subpar offenses, you look good today. So, if I'm the Eagles, this is your plan. You run the ball. You establish it. You get the play action moving. You separate the defense. And Deshaun Jackson, he left this contest early. They say precautionary reasons. But, I mean, once he's back, you got the deep threat. It will be there. So, all in all for this contest, I mean, the Eagles... They have a formula they need to stick to. They are still a solid squad. They could make some push in the playoffs if they make the playoffs. So we'll see. It was a good game. The Bears are in deep trouble. Deep trouble. They are in risk of missing the postseason, especially in the division they're in. It's a disaster of a season in Chicago. Matt Nagy, a lot to blame, but now I am jumping on that naysayer wagon on Mitchell Trubisky he is majority of your problem he can't get things done don't know what's happened to him but it's all negative right now in Chicago not looking good so the next game we have on the board the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers Vegas had this one very tight we saw a couple lines supporting both clubs I think it was minus one for the Colts, and I saw even minus 1.5 for the Steelers. So the big news coming into this contest was earlier in the week, T.Y. Hilton had injured his calf and is announced to be missing the next three to four weeks. This is a big shot to this offense because Jacoby Brissett has been playing very well for this team. He has been competing. And even that happened today. Jacoby Brissett was lost early when Quentin Nelson stepped on his ankle, then rolled his knee. Early indications suggest it could be an MCL injury, which would keep him out for a few weeks at least. So enter Brian Hoyer into this contest. And we really, I mean, like everybody else, what can you expect from Brian Hoyer when we know his history in this league? But any quarterback that a defense hasn't had any weekly prep on, he's going to find some plays. He's going to find room. Hoyer threw three touchdowns today. I mean, he wasn't great. He does what he does. But the, the one thing that we liked a lot in this game was the emergence of Zach Pascal. This kid is making a name for himself, and he is just making plays. If you get a healthy T.Y. Hilton and a Zach Pascal that can be the supportive piece, you have two sound receivers that you could build around in this offense with Jacoby Brissett. Either way, this game was actually really interesting, really fun to watch. The Colts and the Steelers were going back and forth. I mean, Hoyer had a horrible pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick. What a, what a trade he has been for the Steelers. Every game he's showing up, every game he's producing. But, I mean, when you look at what the Steelers did offensively, their game plan was extremely simple. It was, don't lose the game for us, Mason Rudolph, and we'll give you every check down possible. And I couldn't understand why the Colts didn't try to adjust because, yes, they took away Juju. That's fine. But Jalen Samuels comes into this game, and he was supposed to be 
the replacement for James Conner lost to injury last week. But he was your main receiver today. He caught 13 balls today. Jalen Samuels caught 13 balls. I mean, that's insane for a player that's not named Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, right? So the run game was actually given to Trey Edmonds for majority of the game. He held the lion's share of the touches from the backfield. He was productive. He had 73 yards on the ground. But again, when you look at Mason Rudolph's day, he was under 200. So this was the plan. Manage the game. Don't turn the ball over and complete the short passes that the defense has given you. Rudolph did have one pick himself today. But I mean the Steelers. The Steelers found a way to take the lead late. Chris Boswell, he hits a field goal. And the Colts still, with Hoyer, managed to drive the field, get in a field goal range. And Adam Vinatieri has a chance to win this game, seal the deal, and he shanks it. He shanks it left. Reports had it stated that the laces were in, affecting his kick. But, I mean, I think they need to let this man go. Adam Vinatieri is a Hall of Famer in the future. He was ready to retire a few weeks ago after he missed a couple kicks as well. I mean, I think it's time. Let him go out with some dignity. Let him go if he wants to go because it's clearly not there anymore. Huge loss for the Colts. The Texans gain on them for this win. The Steelers manage to get a victory and stay back at 500. They're still alive when we had written them off early on. They're still ba- they're back. They're alive. It was a good game. It was fun. Didn't hate that contest whatsoever. Next one on the board, the Detroit Lions traveling to the Oakland Raiders. So when the line came out on this contest, Vegas had the Raiders favored at two and a half points. I took the under. I took the the Lions to win this contest simply because I felt that their offense would be able to carry this team. It's not that I don't have faith in what the Raiders are doing defensively because they showed me a lot today too. The Detroit Lions offense is just incredibly powerful and electric and dynamic that it's it's really fun to watch as a fan, but when you're ironing this out with evaluation, you can see how good they really are. The only thing missing is perhaps maybe an upgrade to some offensive line positions and they still have no run attack. I mean, McKissick, he he was able to burn off some runs late in this game. But, I mean, you can't chalk that up to be what you really need it to be. Matthew Stafford needs a running back that can help this offense move. Okay, It can't always be on his shoulders. He found again today his guys, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr., These two are making a name for themselves. They're making a case for themselves to be one of the best duos in the NFL. It's true. When you watch these guys every week, this is probably the first week I saw both of them have such a spectacular day in tandem because typically you see Marvin have a day, Galladay's a little quiet, and vice versa. Today was both of them, and it was a sight of beauty. Kenny Galladay 
let me break this down. Four catches, 132 yards, one touchdown. Marvin Jones, eight catches, 126 yards, one touchdown. These guys were balling today. Matthew Stafford, again, 406 yards, three touchdown passes. He is having a fantastic season. But the downside to this Detroit Lions team is now again this defense. This is why I couldn't understand why you traded Diggs away to the Seahawks. You still were in this. You still are in this. You're not out of this playoff race whatsoever. You need more help, not less, on that back end. Derek Carr had himself a very solid day again. He is able to find his receivers. He's spreading the ball around. He hit at least nine receivers today. And then this whole offense is run behind the talents of rookie Josh Jacobs. So if you listened to the show a couple weeks prior, we said we wanted to see more, and we have. I am sold. This kid is something else. He is fantastic. When you watch him run, he is not only a power back, but he has those finesse moves. He's not going to juke everybody out of their pants, but he has moves enough to separate and get to the edge and, and take off. His day was good. They're using him. 28 carries, 120 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Josh Jacobs. Very sound day. This game was extremely entertaining. It was back and forth. It almost appeared at times there was no defensive play. But the turning point is the Oakland Raiders were able to get more pressure on Matthew Stafford than vice versa. The The, the Lions defense just couldn't manufacture enough to get Carr out of his game and to stop this run. If they could have, they would have had a shot. With that said, if you caught the end of the game, they had an opportunity to win. The Detroit Lions did. There was, I believe, 12 seconds left on the clock. They had no timeouts, and Coach Gruden gave them a favor and called a timeout. And the best play you came up with was a triple tight end stack with a running back in the backfield and you throw to you your third best tight end. I couldn't understand the play call. I think it was it was botched. You had time. You had time to figure this out. I still would have put Jones and Galladay on the on the line. And I mean they're not going to fear your run, so I mean just give it to your best players. Give it to Jones or Galladay. All in all, the Lions lose. They couldn't manage it at the end. Last second uh, attempt to score a touchdown to, to tie the game. Just didn't happen. Raiders win. They're holding on. They're 4-4. Four and four. They're keeping pace. So not only was that a very compelling contest, very exciting, the next contest we're about to review, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks. This was a game. I really didn't believe that the Bucks were going to be able to compete in Seattle. But again, like we said in past shows, the Seahawks seem to play weaker at home this year, which is very strange. They seem a lot more strong on the road. And Tampa Bay really gave them a run for their money. They jumped out to an early lead. The run game was working. Jameis Winston actually looked very good today. 
But again, when your team needs you the most, what does Jameis Winston do best? He turns the ball over. He had a costly fumble today. Got the Seahawks back in this game. Mike Evans was your guy. You just needed to keep feeding him. Mike Evans Day, fantasy football king. 12 receptions, 180 yards, one touchdown. Mike Evans is unguardable. Throw him the ball all day. It was working. I was really impressed with Ronald Jones today. He had good runs early on. First half, he looked good. Obviously, Pete Carroll adjusted in the second half, kind of shut it down. But outside of that, it looked good. You were able to compete with the Hawks today until you run into a man named Russell Wilson. I mean, we have to say at this point of the season, Russell Wilson has to be the league MVP, does he not, offensively? He is literally carrying this team himself. He is spreading this ball. He is making this offense look fantastic. I mean, Chris Carson has been much better. I have to say, I didn't give him enough credit going back to the offseason. Chris Carson has been a great compliment to Russell Wilson. But when you look at what Wilson was able to do today, he had five touchdown passes today. He spread the ball all over. Another guy I did not give enough credit to, and I'll, and I'll eat it because I didn't believe that he could be this type of player, and I'm speaking of Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is a player, man. This guy can run all over the field. You put him in the slot, you put him outside, he can do it all. He's fast. He's got good hands. His awareness on the field is amazing. His release off the line is superb. And his day was fantastic. He was targeted 18 times today. He was the bread and butter of this pass game. 13 receptions, 152 yards, two touchdowns. Let's not forget about the rookie, DK Metcalf. He was a player in this second half. Tampa Bay's secondary is weak. This is what we expected them to do. We just didn't really expect the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to attack the Seahawks defense the way they did. They did it with high efficiency themselves. Very strong game from both teams. This game went to overtime. And of course, Russell Wilson, he does it again. Hits his tight end holster, 10-yard touchdown, game over. This game was a beauty. And we just can't say enough about what Russell Wilson is doing. These throws are pinpoint. You have such speed at the receiver position. And on top of it, you put in the waiver claim for Josh Gordon. I love that move. Why not take Josh Gordon? 27 other teams passed up on his services. Yes, he has off-field problems. I get it. But he can still play. He can help this offense. You want to be more dynamic? This is what you do. Russell Wilson is a machine. I, I truly believe he is one of the best quarterbacks in this game at this moment. And we got to stop thinking like it's not. He is. He is fantastic. Russell Wilson is, if not the best, one of the best in this league at the moment. 
Next game on the board, the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos. I don't necessarily want to spend a whole lot of time on this contest because it will turn into a Cleveland Browns disfest. How disappointed can you be if you are a Browns fan? So I watched this game quite intently simply because I wanted to evaluate what their deal really was. Was it Baker Mayfield? Was it this offense? Or is it the coaching staff? And I truly, truly have to believe there's two things here at play. So it's the the offensive line the Cleveland Browns don't have. That's number one. I mean, Baker Mayfield has talent. We can't say he doesn't. He's attempting, but he's also running for his life. This offensive line is terrible. But then adding to that, your play calling from Freddie Kitchens is god-awful. He is not creating the mismatches needed to move the ball appropriately with the playmakers you have on this team. Odell Beckham Jr. is a machine. He's a stud. You target the man six times. Six times. Why aren't you force-feeding the ball? Create the, the route combinations. Create the pick plays. Why are you not doing this? I don't understand. Yes, today you got Jarvis Landry back in the, in, the, in the mix with 13 targets. But again, the productivity isn't necessarily there because nobody is fearing the pass game. Nobody. Denver, Broncos, their defense, again, they are still solid. I mean, they're going to compete week in, week out. The Broncos started young man Brandon Allen, journeyman, former Ram. He's been a couple other places. He did what he had to do today. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. He found a couple big shots. He found one in Noah Fant, deep touchdown. He ran it all the way in. And the Cortland Sutton catch. I mean, that was all Sutton. That, that catch was absolutely phenomenal. But, I mean, this is what you needed him to do. If the defense could play well, Brandon Allen would be able to manage the game, hopefully, and he did. The run game wasn't there. But the Cleveland Browns. So you're, you're facing a quarterback who hasn't even thrown a pass in the NFL, and your defense can't make plays to help you. Embarrassing. So then now, do we talk about not only Freddie Kitchens, but we talk about the defensive system as well? Cleveland Browns fans, Cleveland Browns management, you should be embarrassed. They deserve better. This team deserves better. These players deserve better. Didn't like it whatsoever. I'm moving on. Green Bay Packers and the L.A. Chargers. I really thought going into the <clears throat> pre-evaluation of this, Vegas gave this game four and a half points in favor of the Packers. I thought this was a lock. I really did. I thought the Packers have been rolling I thought everything is working. They're getting Devontae Adams back today. They're going to continue to run with Aaron Jones. Did not happen. This is why we play the games. Every evaluating tool, every analytical thing I can come up with to predict, it was thrown out the window today. The L.A. Chargers came to play. 
Their defense stifled Aaron Rodgers. When have we seen Aaron Rodgers play that bad? I I think at one point going into the third quarter, he had 65 passing yards. We don't see this from Aaron Rodgers. They couldn't get the run going. The pass game was completely shut down. And it's not like the Chargers were great offensively. They did, however, keep the ball. Time of possession was large. 35-24 to in favor of the Chargers. Through the first half, they were riding drives to keep Aaron off the field, which also helped in him getting cold, and they couldn't muster anything offensively, the Packers. Very interesting game. But you need to tell me something about these Chargers. Why does this happen to this club every single season? They start out the gates extremely slow, and then they have to recover playing their hearts out week in, week out to get back in the playoff race. They're doing it again. The Chargers get back to 4-5, and five, now tied with the Raiders, now a few games back behind the Chiefs. This is what they do. Their whole team is injured again, and they're finding ways to claw back. It's a very peculiar, interesting thing. Outside of that, this game wasn't really anything to write home about. The Packers just didn't show up. Didn't show up whatsoever. They were outmatched. They were outclassed today. Chargers stay alive. So the last game on the board for Sunday, the Sunday nighter, the New England Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens. Everyone was excited for this one simply because we wanted to see a tangible opponent for the New England Patriots. It's clear. It's obvious. The Patriots haven't really faced anybody of supreme talent thus far offensively, hence why their defense is that great. I still think that this defense is that great. However, we knew this was going to be a problem day for them. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram... This tandem, and you sprinkle in a little bit of the Gus Edwards, and they can run the ball. This is their game. Run the ball, run the ball, set up the play action, hopefully you hit a deep shot. Pass it to your tight ends. This is what the Ravens do. New England was exposed a couple weeks ago, even last week, that they have issues stopping the run. So when we did our pregame evaluation, we, we were very curious to see what would happen. We still took the Patriots on the spread simply because it's Tom Brady. It's this defense. We thought that Bill Belichick was going to be able to figure it out, and they almost did. So to highlight what had happened in this contest, the Ravens jumped out super fast, super quick. They scored 17 unanswered points, and it looked like this game was going to be a blowout. Absolute blowout. The the Patriots get a gift on special teams. They get a fumble. They score quick. Mohamed Sanu, former Falcon, he gets in the end zone. And then here come the Pats, right? Two more field goals. We have a game. And then Julian Edelman, uncharacteristic. He fumbles the ball. 
Ravens scoop it up. They take it all the way back in the third quarter. Took away all momentum for the Patriots because they were they were driving once again. Mistakes filled this contest. Patriots were uncharacteristic penalties. Didn't look good. Brady, he had his moments. But again, he wasn't he wasn't prime. He he didn't look sharp today. The run game for the Pats, you needed to establish it more. It wasn't there. James White had a decent day. Nothing great. I mean, when you're looking at who can actually compete with this Patriots team, the Ravens proved what they can do. They are built specifically to beat the New England Patriots. Run the ball, play sound defense, and you're going to win. It's a good formula. It was an interesting game until that happened and until the Julian Edelman fumble happened, and that was basically the day. Mark Ingram started running again. Lamar Jackson was running all over the field. And I mean, again, look, his passing statistics won't take you over the top unless you're a poor defense. He's going to manage the game. He's going to run the ball. I really like this Baltimore Ravens team. I think they have a lot of talent, and they're very, very well coached. It'll be very interesting. The Patriots are on the bye week next week. It'll be very interesting to see how they recover and what adjustments they do make. But the Patriots are no longer undefeated. The Baltimore Ravens take them out. One team left. The 49ers are undefeated. Patriots fall 37-20 on Sunday Night Football. So with the last contest of Week 9, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, I really am not expecting a whole heck of a lot in terms of entertainment value from the Giants. I mean, they're going to attempt to play. Saquon Barkley is going to be your guy. I'm curious. They they started they played uh week 1, I believe, and the and the Cowboys won. I believe that was still with Eli Manning. So I will be curious to see what Daniel Jones can do against this club. But I mean, I want to see a lot from the Cowboys coming off the bye week. I want to see a team that's fresh. I want to see a team that's ready. If you guys are true Super Bowl contenders, I want to see it. I want to see your defense improve. I want to see Zeke Elliott run the ball. Dak Prescott has to be efficient on point. I want to see an entire package game against a weaker opponent like the Giants. And for the Giants, I just want to see them progress. They have weapons on this team. Daniel Jones is not a terrible quarterback. He will probably turn the ball over at least once or twice. But for all terms and conditions, I mean, the Cowboys are favored by seven points, and I took it. I think they will run away. This is a statement game for them, and they need to prove it. They need to show it. Giants just have to hold on for dear life, and hopefully they don't get blown out. Might be a little bit closer than we think. Maybe we'll call it a 14-point game, but we'll see what happens. Should be a good one. But on that note, that is Week 9. Thank you for tuning in to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Thank you again for tuning in. We always appreciate you. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.